Hello, all, and welcome to the SDA podcast. Um, this is me, your host, Sean Duval Arnold, and this will be our very first and perhaps final, but we'll see, podcast. And we are specifically targeting uh, the realm, the subject of sensation and perception today, and more specifically, on the perception of speech sounds in a pediatric population with speech sound disability. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, in accord to the Yantis Sensation and Perception textbook for the course, um, this relates to Chapter 12 on speech and music perception, and yes, we are honing in on speech perception. Um, and so a little background uh, info about why this topic is important uh, to me and why it is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I'll talk a little bit about myself, and then we'll segue into... Uh, speech sound disorder itself, and then we'll conclude on um, how to treat speech sound disorder and some implications on uh, clinical treatments here in Texas. All right, so a little bit about myself first. Um, my name is Sean Duval Arnold, and I am half French and half Thai. And um, because of this upbringing, I have always been influenced by a lot of different cultures, uh, vastly different cultures, as well as languages. Um, since I was uh, since I was born, and so um, speaking multiple languages at home since birth really shaped my perception, I think, of language and dealing with um, speech perception and sort of the the irregularities and troubles I had growing up. And so I was actually born in Thailand, and then um, during my childhood, I was ferried back and forth between Thailand and France, my two mother and father countries, uh, you could say and uh, interacting and speaking with both languages there. And it wasn't actually until around the third grade when I moved to the United States that I started uh, speaking English and having to learn English as my third language. Um, and as you can imagine, uh, speaking both a Romance language and a Sinodaic language, uh, that being Thai, the language family of Thai, um, it was quite difficult to pronounce English at first. And uh, I remember growing up, uh, right at the third grade, they put me into this ELL program called the Eng English Language Learner Program uh, for about two or three years, where after school, for hours, I had to practice English, learn English, and learn how to pronounce correctly. Um, and so growing up, especially in those beginning years, I have very distinct memories of, um, you know, being, being made fun of, uh, being the butt of some jokes of my pronouncing some words incorrectly or or not knowing certain words or stammering quite a bit when it came to English. And actually my parents were, were a little bit worried about this. So we stopped speaking Thai and French for a period of time in the household um, around late elementary um, school time period. And we, we only focused on English at home um, as well as me continuing through the ELL program. So this sort of background is uh, very special to me because I can very much relate and empathize with um, other, other children or other students, other people in general, although maybe not to the same extent or degree, but I can sympathize with those that have uh, either been made fun of or have struggled through um, their journey in, in attaining, uh, you could say, proficient language use. Um, and so that's, that's where my heart lies uh, with the subject. And also furthermore, um, with my love of neuroscience as, the, as a field of, of passion that I am pursuing now, um, Psycholinguistics and linguistics in general have, have generally always interested me and awed me um, as someone that speaks 
uh, three languages, maybe four if you count Latin, but I, we won't count that today. Um, language is something that has uh, had a profound effect on my life and psycholinguistics, um, the neuroscience behind um, languages and how the brain perceives different uh, sounds has, has always been a subject of passion for me. So now segueing into the actual um, topic of this podcast is pediatric SSD or uh, pediatric speech sound disorder, which is a exactly what it is, a perception of speech disorder in, in children. And so um, this is a disorder I'm particularly empathetic to, both because of my background as a multilingual child and someone who, who's really in love with the field of psycholinguistics. And so children with speech sound disorder, or SSD, as we'll call it from here on out, have a clinically significant difficulty producing sounds of their native language. Um, and to be more precise about this, the perception of acoustic detail is important, right, in everyday speech because it is, it's eventually mapped to phono phonologically and motoric representations governing speech production. So what I mean by that in layman's terms is one's attuning to phonemes, which is the basic unit of sound. So like ah or u or e um, in the early development of a, of a human is critical in being proficient at replicating those phonemes, those basic units of sounds in terms of their motor coordination involving the mouth, the tongue, and the, the sound produced by the trachea. Um, and so this is all very critical in the uh, early developmental period. And children with SSD have a lot of troubles with this for, for a multitude of reasons that we'll get into. And um, actually, before continuing on, we'll lay down the backgrounds of the neural correlates and connections involving SSD, so more of the neuroscience of SSD, if you will. So children with SSD have a broad perceptual deficit in processing both speech and non-speech auditory stimuli, which means um, those with SSD in the pediatric population uh, generally have a hard time perceiving um, similarities in similarities that are that are really differences in um, both speech and non-speech uh, audition. And so to the neural correlates um, and brain activity, we, um, we see based on a few studies of uh, pediatric SSD that there are definitely differences in neural activation in school-aged children with SSD in the superior, superior temporal gyrus. And gr gr there's a larger gray matter volume in the superior temporal uh, gyrus region again. So there's evidence for differences in both activation and structural brain differences in those uh, children with SSD. So this correlates to the lack of sensitivity uh, to acoustic detail, which is, um, which is the responsibility of that superior temporal gyrus region. Um, and this leads to yeah, possible impediments of the development of well-defined acoustic representations for speech sounds, which um, we talked about earlier. So, um, in, in light of SSD in children, how do psychologists and psychiatrists actually diagnose this? It's very interesting. So speech sound discrimination tests are utilized uh, at that early age, and they're called goodness judgment tests. And these tests necessitate attention to fine-grained acoustic differences between tokens. So in psycholinguistics, a token um, our tokens are phonetically similar items. So for example, if I say re and we, re and we 
are two similar tokens, but phonetically um, at the core they are different because of that rhotic R. So R and W. And we it's very common in children with SSD to not be able to discriminate between an R and a W and not be able to produce that rhotic R sound. So we might often hear if a child were to say red, they might say something like wed, especially those with SSD. And then so in these goodness judgment tests, children are actually made to discriminate between these tokens. So the clinician will say re and then we and ask the child, was that similar? Did that sound the same? Or some follow-up question like this. And according to a recent uh, study, uh, Preston et al., those who misarticulated R as W, so R as W, were less accurate at this task than other age-matched children who could produce that rhotic sound. So children with SSD in the study were typically less reliable in the phonemic categorization of endpoint tokens. When we say endpoint tokens, this is those tokens taken to a full, a full word, a full sound. So, um, for example, in the study, the words rake and wake were not discriminated against by more than 50%, um, more than 50% of the time by children with SSD. So if a children heard the clinician say uh, rake and then wake, more than 50% of the time, they could not discriminate between the two endpoint tokens. Now, this, uh, this core idea of uh, sound discrimination um, in light of the speech, sound speech disorders is, is crucial because developmental age children must be able to not only identify acceptable and unacceptable productions um, in order to master a sound, uh, but also have the necessity to self-monitor and self-correct themselves post-identification of, of their unacceptable uh, speech production. And um, at least from personal experience, this is quite a difficult task because it takes constant, constant listening to uh, correct uh, speech sound production um, to really be able to integrate that into your identification of it. So that's the whole point. It's children and people with SSD must actually learn to perceive um, tokens that they think are the same as, as phonetically different. And that's the core of uh, discriminating between sounds and producing phonetically correct um, sounds. And now we'll go in, segue into uh, some current treatments for SSD in children. And um, one of the earliest ones was called Van Riper's Ear Training. And essentially, this is just repeated and continuous goodness judgment tests with a clinician over a period of months to years, depending on uh, the severity of, the, of SSD in that child and um, per the parent's um, want for, uh, for, the, for the clinician to, to help their child. Um, and more more recently and more commonly today, um, this has sort of shifted into a newer system called SAILS, which stands for Speech Assessment and Interactive Learning System. So this, again, is also a category goodness judgment test over a long period of time, but it's more structured where children are typically presented with 10 recorded productions of a single word uh, from multiple speakers. So, for example, red and wed, like we used earlier. Um, and they are then instructed to point to a picture of the word if the token is a good fit or an X, meaning incorrect, if it is not a good fit. So this is sort of akin in the, in, um, in the realm of uh, perception 
and psychophysics to, to the method of common stimuli. So the clinician might give the 10 recorded productions of, let's say the word, uh, the target word would be uh, red and they might say red five times and then wed uh, the other five times and the child will have to indicate which one is, which one is phonetically correct. And it's actually been found in that uh, Preston et al. study that speech training with sales um, for, for a year facilitated improved speech production in children ages three to four in that early developmental period with sound speech disorder. And to conclude this podcast on SSD, I have uh, partnered with the Warren Center for Pediatric Speech Therapy, which is actually based here in Richardson, Texas. Um, the Warren Center is an institute for pediatric speech pathology, where they have a plethora of speech therapists ready to provide clinical care for children with SSD and other speech impediments, like we said, either due to inherent brain differences, for example, in the superior temporal gyrus, or perhaps children suffering from um, other disorders that have been quite morbid with the uh, SSD, such as cerebral palsy and other things that can lead to speech impediments. And they provide support from early childhood interventions to family and educational support all throughout um, their educational uh, upbringing. And I think this was one of the most remarkable institutes I found on SSD and other speech um, disorder treatment in general, um, not only in Texas, but across the U.S. And it is the Warren Center for Pediatric Speech Therapy in Richardson, Texas. And to conclude, um, my heart goes out to all of those with SSD and other speech sound uh, impediments. And it is critical to understand that, um, you know, we really should be aware of, of those around us that either come from a different culture or perhaps they're learning a language for the first time or perhaps are suffering from uh, a, a myriad of other disorders that can lead to speech sound impediments or speech sound disorder. And that we need to have a heart of compassion and grace for these people and more importantly, support um, to, to not put them down. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. And that will conclude our, uh, our podcast for today on SSD. This is your host, Sean Duval arnold signing off.